Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for students looking to get ahead and also the number one podcast for cats. Really? Yes, absolutely. I was told this by a very reputable source. Is this official? Yeah. Fantastic. I think maybe we can put this in the show notes, but I have here an official picture of someone's cat watching my YouTube channel. That seems very official. I would say this is pretty and, look, at, uh, look how look how intent this cat is looking at the screen. I mean, I'm down. Cats are pretty intense. They yeah. know what they're looking at. Exactly. They know. This cat is very interested in learning attention. about some general workflow tips for making your operating system run more efficiently. As all cats should be. Yeah, what are cats if not efficient? If they don't want to move, they're not going to move. But when they need to, they'll knock everything over at the speed of light. It's they're actually, efficient. It's very true. Actually, I think I've read somewhere that cats do not walk very efficiently. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the zoology majors. That. That, yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of it is the the way they move is very optimized for stealth. So in terms of actual like calorie burning, they don't walk as efficiently as like a dog or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I read something that the way that humans walk is super duper efficient because our legs are like little reverse pendulums. We got pretty neat legs, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you kind of just like, I don't know, take weight off your left leg and it just like swings like a pendulum. And then, and then you stand on yeah. and that's like a reverse pendulum it's just like weird stilt things huh yeah that's why apes can't walk nearly as far as we can because they burn like <laughs> three times as those, many calories those when they dumb walk. apes get different legs haha <laughs> yep Duh. yep that's why we win <laughs> <laughs> anyway my name is thomas frank and i'm here as always with my somewhat well-traveled friend marn Bamey. and today we're talking about travel because well i have at least been on a plane a few times you've been on a plane literally a few times three times have you been on a plane once i think three times wait you've been on a plane three times now yeah once to test out planes that was that was one one to that was seattle yeah one to seattle then one back from seattle okay four three times so you had your plane ride from denver to colorado springs and then you have taken a real plane ride since then yeah was that one for PodCon or was that something else? That was for PodCon. Okay. Well, it was, I mean, it was for PodCon. It was for me seeing the Pacific Northwest, but yeah, it was, and then you were just it coincided PodCon, with PodCon. Where you were undoubtedly swarmed by throngs of fans, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yes. Thousands of, and thousands. I certainly did not uh, kind of just mind my own business. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing that happens every time I go to VidCon. You know, and just you know, hang out in the as rain. As an educational content creator, I just can't keep the fans away. <laughs> they just... You You're know, so it, educational. Actually, and then there's like, they, there's like you know? two people who recognize <laughs> me. <laughs> teach me, teach me. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a gigantic riot of people like chasing Logan Paul. I don't know who that is. Is Good. it Wolverine? Is that his last name? No. Is that, I don't. Don't even don't even connect those two people together. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know these <laughs> I people. I don't want those people connected. Logan Paul is a person that I don't have a whole lot of respect for. <laughs> Part partly because of what he did at VidCon. Because I remember uh, when you're a featured creator, they tell you, you know, don't don't go out into the public areas and attract 
a whole lot of unnecessary attention to yourself because it could cause like oh, a really? stampede of fans. There have been injuries before. People have gotten trampled. Really? So what does Logan Paul do with his like 7 million subscribers at the time? He puts on his Wolverine puts out a video. Puts out a video saying, hey, I have hidden $3,000 underneath a vending machine and I'm going to be running around VidCon just out in public. And what happens? A gigantic stampede. I don't know if anyone got injured, but I was... It's pretty that does sound that like man. that does sound like the opposite of keeping a somewhat low profile yeah. for the normal day's events. That, that was my first exposure to him, huh. other than the the H three video where he lies about being colorblind. So, oh, overall, well, we got a great. You know, I'm sorry, Wolverine being. does cooler things than that sometimes. He does. Sometimes, yeah, he wears yellow and blue and he pulls it off in a way that I don't think I could. And that I respect Wolverine have you for tried? that. I have not. <laughs> Have you ever wore a yellow T-shirt with blue jeans? Because uh, I, I bet you could pull that off. I don't know. I don't know either. Not sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's talk about traveling. So I wanted to do an episode this uh, this week about just how to make travel a better experience. Because I had some great travel experiences in college. I know you've had some great road trips at the very least. Yes. And one plane trip. So together we have some amounts of travel experience, and we haven't really done a travel episode in quite a long time. I mean, I know one of my very first episodes in the podcast was with uh, Travis Sherry about travel hacking. That was episode 13. That was a while ago. Or 14, which was, I don't know, six years ago? Some amount of lots of years. Yeah. But yeah, I've had some travel happen. This makes a lot of sense because the previous episode, last week's episode, was like, you know, how to capture capture inspiration. A lot of my inspiration comes from travel, so... Mm -hmm. There you go. And yeah, and I guess if you want to, you know, get some inspiration, like when you're able to go travel. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Uh, so I wanted to break this down into a few different categories. Number one, how do you make it more affordable? Two, how do you make it more fun? Uh, three, how to make it more efficient. And then four, I want to talk a little bit about how to plan for travel, but I don't want to talk too much about it because to spoil what's coming up, in the later minutes of this podcast, one of my tips on making it more fun is to not plan too much. Yeah. You know? Uh, and you know what? Why don't we just launch actually into the more fun thing? Because it doesn't matter what kind of categories we do here. So, yeah, my my number one tip for making travel more fun is to refrain from trying to plan it too much. And I don't know what your travel experiences have been like but my favorite travel experience that i've ever had involved going to japan with my friends ryan and quentin uh this was i think 2012 and we essentially had no plans other than like having made sure we had our passports and plane tickets but i landed 13 hours before ryan and quentin landed because they were flying on a different airline i forget the reason why Oh, because I was in San Francisco for a business trip right before it. So I came from San Francisco to Japan. I had to wait for them 13 hours in the airport. And then they both got there and we're all just like, we don't know where we're staying. (laughs) And it turns out uh, most people in Japan don't speak English. And we didn't really have any, any knowledge of where to go, who to talk to, what blogs to look at. We didn't know anything. So I have this vivid memory of us just walking out of the airport into Tokyo uh, at like 1 a.m. trying to find a hotel. We couldn't find one. Or actually, no, we did find one, but Ryan could not accurately convey to the person at the desk that we wanted like a reduced night's fee because it was already 1 a.m. So we ended up just staying up 
at a 24 hour long restaurant all night long. And then the next day we figured out how to find a hostel. So <laughs> I think we were awake for 48 hours just straight. Huh. Well, I'd, I wouldn't say that I would personally do that. I'd probably have my first night. You know, I'd, I'd probably get somewhere to stay the first time. I don't want to stay up that late. Okay. But, but I definitely agree about the not planning things. I yeah, hate that planning sensible, too much. But it was fun. Well, and it, it also, like, it was thrown off a little bit because you didn't all arrive at once, mm-hmm. which I'm sure would have made it easier. I think if they had gotten into town at, like, noon or something, it would have been no problem. Yeah. But they got into town at, like, midnight. So it's kind of a weird fluke. Mm-hmm. But it was so much fun. I mean, it was stressful, but I don't know. There's just something about being somewhere where you've never been. You have no idea how anything works, and you just have to figure it out. It sounds like a fantastic way to form a memory. I could just mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing everything exactly as it says on the paper, you're not going to be focused exactly on what's around you. Whereas, yeah, you guys had to be like, okay, we need to really pay attention to what's going on everywhere because I don't even know where we're going next. I mean, it's kind of like have you ever done an escape room? I have not. Oh, you should do one. They're fun. They do seem like they could be fun or a nightmare. I mean, how would they be a nightmare? I don't know. If the, you know, it turns out it's actually run by a serial killer and then they... Like that movie? You know? Yeah. Escape Room? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a movie? Yeah. They literally made an Escape Room movie where it's, surprise, surprise, you're actually locked in and it's trying to kill you. Well, there you go. Uh, no, most Escape Rooms, I mean, like all Escape Rooms, at least the ones you pay to go into... You can just walk out at any time if you want to. Oh, I'm I'm not a fan of like small spaces, and I've always imagined there'd be some sort of claustrophobia inducing it really section. It really depends. But I don't get to see the inside until I'm there, so I'm I'm like yeah, I'm like rolling the dice. Usually, the marketing materials will tell you kind of like what's coming up. Oh, okay. Some of them are horror themed. Some of them are going to have like tight spaces, and some of them are just puzzle rooms. Oh, in fact, the last two that the I've done sound fun. The last two that I've done haven't even been escape rooms. They've been more like mission rooms. Like the last one I went to, it was, uh, you're like trying, you're basically getting into like a wizard's academy and you have one hour to get sorted into a house. And to do that, you have to do all these different puzzles to unlock something. So if you fail, which we did fail, you just walk out and you get nothing. Oh, good day to you, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's cool. You lose. (laughs) But some of them are actual escape ones. The worst one that I ever did was, uh, it was like a psychotic dentist's office. And there was an entire section, which we got stuck at, that was complete pitch black, claustrophobic, on your hands and knees maze. Yeah, see, I don't want to do that. I didn't like it. Yeah. And I was I was just, I was so sure that at some point they were going to turn the lights on and scare the crap out of me. They never did. But that's what kept me from being, I don't know, really gung-ho about exploring the maze. <laughs> yeah. Because I was just like, what, at what point are they just going to pop out of me? So the scary ones, probably not for me, but they're just the puzzly ones. They're great. And being in a different country where you have no idea what's going on, what to do, it's kind of like being in a puzzle room like that. You got to figure things out. And aside from the 48-hour marathon, horrible like search to find a hostel, everything else was great. We'd wake up every day. We'd think, what do we want to do today? And then we'd make a plan. Or we'd come back at the end of the day, chill at the hostel, see what we wanted to do the next day, and just kind of play it by ear. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do on all my trips. Mm-hmm. Now, Ashley doesn't agree. She likes to <laughs> she likes to plan everything in advance because she likes to be excited about it beforehand. 
Whereas I would rather just say, I know I'm going to be in this location for these days and mm -hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen. But as a sort of compromise, we usually list out like a giant maybe list, just cool, oh, okay. cool stuff that mm -hmm. we've read about or um, that she's researched. And that way we can kind of, if we, we don't know what to do, we can just flip through it and then be like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's yeah. go see if we can do that. It, it's also actually really important for food because I have dietary preferences. So obviously one would want most of those ahead of time if they're yeah. going to have specific needs. Otherwise you're just going to be hungry with nothing to do. And yeah, I will make a, a note about food. So the first year that we went, we literally just walked into places as we saw them and ate. And that was great. But when I went with Anna in 2015, we still didn't plan much ahead of time. But when we got there, I was looking at like, where's the best ramen in, mm. you know, Osaka? Where's the best sushi in this section, like the Ginza section of Tokyo where we are? And I'd find either Yelp lists or just blogs from other people who I traveled there. And that resulted in us finding food that was phenomenal. So, yeah, I would say, you know, maybe I guess what I'm trying to say is don't have a super planned out itinerary because. Yeah kind of like we talked about in the burnout episode, the more you do that, like the more it's going to feel like a to-do list. And then where you're going to be thinking about like, what's the next thing we're going to instead of really experiencing the thing you're doing at the moment. Yeah. And if you're running late, it's going to get stressful. You're focused on the future, you know, mm -hmm. focused on the present. And if you're traveling, the whole point is to get out of that mindset, which you're probably stuck in normally. Yeah. So the one thing I will say is uh, there is an exception and that is kind of what Ashley wants to do. Um, if there are very specific things that you really want to do, like say you're, you know, you're going to Paris, you want to see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. You can't see Notre Dame, I guess, pour 40 out for that one. Well, you can see parts of it. You can see parts of it. I, I think they're going to rebuild it. I mean, a lot of it's going to be, a lot of it's like stone and stuff. It's true. I think they will rebuild it. And I think that personally, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but there will be people who probably can. And I feel for them. Well, I've never seen it, so I won't be able to tell the difference. True. Yeah, I'll just be like, that's what it looks like. I guess I'm, I know cerebrally. I kinda, I I'm a little it. bit sad that I have never seen it, but yeah. what are you going to do? I couldn't have predicted that. I guess like, I'm a little sad about it, but then again, I know like there are so many other monuments yeah. and things that we have known Whoops. about, but like there's just oh, never yeah, I, a chance I, to see them. Yeah. Like the out of the seven wonders of the ancient world, like the original list, only the Great Pyramid is still standing. Hanging Gardens of Babylon are gone. Library of Alexandria is gone. They're all gone. Hmm. Too bad. But there are new wonders to see. Uh, anyway, for those kinds of things, it is worth planning in advance how to do them because sometimes you can run into things you need to know about. Good example. When I was in Japan the second year, I really wanted to see Mount Fuji. So like we did the first year, Ryan and I did no planning. We just booked a night in a hostel next to Mount Fuji in this town called Kawaguchiko and took the bullet train over there, got in. And only then did I start doing some reading. And I read that during the spring and summer, Mount Fuji is more often than not completely shrouded in fog all day long. So it's a very good possibility that uh, I was going to wake up and not be able to get a picture of it. Oh, and I was like, or even see it. I was like, Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, Though I did read, and I got lucky here, I read that if you go early in the morning, it's like as early as you can, then there's a better chance that you can see it. So I woke up at 5 a.m. one day, went out there on my rollerblades, and got lucky because it was clear. But then later in the day, it was not clear. I think I had like a three-hour window where it was clear. 
and I got some dope pictures. Okay, so that one worked out at it least. It did work out, but, but it, it was could have easily not worked out. I mean, the hostel was great. It was probably the most comfortable hostel I've ever stayed at. But yeah, it could have been a total waste, at least for seeing Mount Fuji. There were a couple of caves that we saw over there, so it wasn't just that. But yeah, so if you want to see something that's, I don't know, that you really want to do it, you want to make sure that you don't leave that place without having done that thing, plan that one out because there could be all kinds of things. Like another good example, if you want to go up to Tokyo Tower, or not Tokyo Tower, uh, the Sky Tree in Tokyo, which I believe is the world's tallest freestanding structure of any kind at this point. I could be wrong about that. Uh, there's like three lines you got to wait in and it could be several hours of waiting. Oh. So if you showed up like an hour or two before the viewing deck closed and it's your last day of the trip, you might be out okay. of luck. So you got you to gotta plan your main things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. But in between the skeleton the main of things, your trip, I would say try to spend some time just immersing yourself in the culture and avoiding the touristy things. Oh, yeah. A lot of touristy things aren't going to be a proper representation of anything that's actually going on anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, there are constant stories of, especially for American tourists, like price prices that are completely different for the tourists. And then yeah. if you spoke their language, you'd see, wait a second, that's not the real price. Yeah, but I mean, the other thing is, if you're just doing touristy things, you don't really get a sense of what it's like to live in that country. No. Or even in that, that city sometimes. Like even New York City, if you go to New York City and you just go see the Statue of Liberty and the, the Empire State Building, I keep wanting to say Eiffel Tower. That's not a New it's York City. It's everywhere. Everyone has every, one. There's a smaller one also from Vegas. <laughs> um, it's fun, but like it just – you don't really get a feeling of what it's like to live in the city. You don't see some of the really truly interesting things. You don't have those spontaneous experiences. You just get your pictures of the Statue of Liberty and the Central Park and whatever and you go home. Yeah. Get your I Love NY t-shirt. And that's fine, but – I think everyone knows it to themselves to make sure they don't miss out on the lesser known parts of the city that they're going to. And no one knows what those parts are going to be. You have to just kind of go explore. Yeah. And the touristy things is kind of the opposite of why I want to travel in the first place because mm-hmm. every every time I go somewhere, I want to have nothing to do because I want to experience what would it be like if I lived here? I'm kind of like yeah. trying to peek into parallel universes where I live somewhere else instead. Mm-hmm. And just what's a normal life like? over here yeah you know and then so so i do normal stuff one of my favorite memories from japan so anna and i went in 2015 and it was kind of cool because the dollar to yen ratio was very in favor of the dollar that year it had been the opposite case the other two years i went so everything was very expensive previous two times so we go and we're like everything's gonna be so cheap it's gonna be awesome and it was but it also meant that everyone and their brother was traveling to Japan to take care or to take advantage mm. of the situation, which meant all the hostels were super booked. So we would book a, a night at a hostel and we never had a problem getting a bed because there's a lot, but we always had problems getting more than like a night or two, which meant for the first two weeks of our vacation, we were just constantly lugging all of our luggage across the city to the next hostel, having to have him store it behind the desk, then come back later, put it in the room. Hmm. It's kind of a mess. Um, that being said, I still recommend staying in hostels for the most part. What's the difference between that and like a hotel? Hostel is, and I'm going to talk about this in the cheap, like the make it cheaper okay, section. Cool. But uh, I've never been in hostels. Hostel. Is just a really bare bones hotel, and 
it could be as bare bones as you sleeping in a room with 16 other people in bunk beds. Hmm. Or it could, you know, because like most hostels I've been to, they offer super cheap bunks in big shared rooms. And they also sometimes offer like, you know, semi-private rooms or you're only rooming with three people and sometimes private rooms. So you just kind of have more choice. And then the amenities are vastly reduced. So instead of having room service available, you have like a shared kitchen downstairs where you can cook your own food. It's not too different than like a dorm. I mean, it's basically a traveler's dorm. That's cool. That's a really good way to to explain it. But then there's often private rooms that you can get for a bit more if you want. Um, So there was one day where we were kind of tired of Japanese food, really wanted something like American or just something that was closer to home. And we were in Osaka. So we found this place that was run by an Australian dude. And it was supposed to be like good, either Australian or American food. So there's burgers and hot dogs and all that kinds of stuff. We're like, yeah, we want that just for one day. And we go there and he super cool guy. And he just gives us all these tips. And one of them was, Hey, have you ever tried Airbnb? And I've never tried Airbnb before. Uh, so this was my first ever experience with it, but it was great because we got a whole place to ourselves And to save money, we found a place that was kind of like off the beaten path in Tokyo. It was like a few subway stops away from all the main districts. So there was really not a whole lot cool or touristy where we stayed. But we had our own apartment just in this normal section of Tokyo. And we had that for a full week. So it was almost like living there for a week. Yeah, that's like the perfect idea of a vacation Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. and It's exactly what I want out of a vacation. We just wake up. Some days we take the train over to the cool sections like Shibuya or, um, boy, why can't I think of the Akihabara? That's the one, mm. the big anime arcade area. And sometimes we go hang around there. Or we'd go take day trips to Yokohama or some cool area to hike. But then we'd come back, have dinner at some place that was never talked about in tourist magazines, and we'd go back to the, the apartment and read books and just chill. We also experienced an earthquake. Oh, that was my first well, ever that's cool. I've never experience. had one of those. It was very weird because I was like, I look at the window. I'm like, all the buildings are swaying. This is really weird. And then it hit our building and stuff started to shake a little bit. Huh. Apparently it was an earthquake that happened way, way off the coast, like a hundred miles off the coast of Japan. But it was so powerful that even uh, Tokyo was affected. It's kind of crazy. This episode just makes me want to go to Japan. <laughs> I probably can't go to Japan as well, soon as yeah. we're done recording this. So this I is should, this is the main I need experience to... I could tell you about. <laughs> oh, I'm on my way tonight. So much good ramen. Actually, never, I don't think I've ever had ramen. I don't actually. know if there's going to be a whole lot of ramen options for you. Yeah, I don't know. I've not, not a whole not lot of vegan ramen. ramen that I know of. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if there is vegan ramen, it's probably going to be in kanji or hiragana. So you're going to have to learn how to read that. That's fine. That is fine. Actually, you know how to read that. Because you're taking Yeah, Japanese I'm, I'm taking Japanese lessons. It's, it's the language that I'm actively, actively learning, whereas French uh. and Spanish are kind of just on low effort maintenance. Occasionally, I'll watch some Pokemon, you know? But yeah. They're not disappearing anytime soon. I'm focusing on Japanese. Mm-hmm. But now I just want to go. But I can't, do, I can't do that right this second. It would be without planning. That's true. You could but just go ahead and I do it. I feel like that's a bad idea at this very time. Plus, you have travel plans. Yeah, Soon. I already I already have stuff to do. We should do is go in a year during April to see the cherry blossoms. Oh, okay. And then everything else should just not be planned. That's what I think. 
and then I'll accidentally live there. And then accidentally live forever. There. Yeah. See, I don't think I would want to live there, but it's fun to be there for a few weeks. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Skillshare. Skillshare is an awesome platform with over 27,000 different courses that can help you to increase your skills in many different areas that can help you become more creative or even increase your career prospects. They've got courses in business, in marketing and analytics, in video production, animation, graphic design, all kinds of stuff, including a course from yours truly. I've got a whole productivity course on Skillshare, so if you wanna learn how to manage your to-do list, your calendar, your email, your note-taking system, and your file organization system, and make them all work in harmony, you can check out my class over on Skillshare. It's called Productivity Masterclass, Building a Custom System That Works, or a class that just came out today that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, there's one from Aaron Draplin, who is a very famous graphic designer, logo designer guy, who also, I believe, lives in the Pacific Northwest. If I'm not incorrect, possibly Portland, maybe. I mean, I think he's at least from that area he's or at least so, from there's there. some connection there. I don't know the exact connection, but know. there I is one. I feel like he lives there, but he's got a whole new class that just released on his entire workflow. So if you want to see how a master logo designer actually works and the processes and tools that they use, that would be a great course to check out as well. In addition to, like I said, the other 27,000 plus courses on the platform. The other great thing about Skillshare is that they have embraced the principle of active learning, which I'm a big fan of, and every single one of their courses includes a project that you can sink your teeth into to start using what you're learning. And there are also areas where you can get feedback and post questions both for other people in the class, but also the teacher themselves. So if you want to get started learning, then be one of the first 500 people to go over to Skillshare.com geek and sign up. And when you do that, you're going to get a two month free trial of their service. Big thanks as always to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and being a huge supporter of our show. And another huge thanks goes out to our other sponsor this week, Brilliant. Brilliant is a learning platform for anyone who wants to increase their abilities in math, science, and computer science. And every single course, every single problem, every single challenge that Brilliant puts out is built with the principle of active learning in mind. They do not want you passively sitting back and just intaking information. They want you getting your hands dirty, dealing with the concepts, getting stuck sometimes, and having to go find information to solve a problem at hand. And because every single thing they do is built with that principle in mind, you learn a lot more effectively, a lot more efficiently, and your interest level stays a lot higher while you're learning. Whether it's topics like calculus or math for quantitative trading and finance, statistics and probability, or science topics like classical mechanics and gravitational physics, or even computer science topics like Python programming and the basics of computer memory and computer algorithms. Whichever other courses that you're going through, you're going to find bite-sized problems that are going to challenge you, and sometimes they're going to make you get stuck. But once you do get stuck, you're going to find a very detailed wiki with tons of example problems that are worked out step-by-step step, and lots of very detailed explanations of the concepts that you're learning. So when you do get stuck, you can go find that information and you can bring it back and solve those problems. And in addition to their in-depth courses, there is also a new section this year called Daily Challenges, where every single day they're putting out new challenges in tons of different topical areas. So if you want to make learning new things a daily habit, then that new daily challenges area is a great place to be spending some time. And it's also a great way to start learning about new subjects that you might not have given much thought to before. So if you want to get started learning today, then be one of the first 83 people to go over to brilliant.org slash college info geek. And once you go there, you can sign up for free and start doing daily challenges for free every single day. But if you want to get full access to all their in-depth courses, along with the entire archive of their daily challenges from the beginning, you can also sign up for their premium subscription. And again, if you 
you were one of the first 83 people to use that link and sign up, you're gonna get 20% off that annual subscription. So once again, brilliant.org slash collegeinfogeek. And as always, huge thanks goes out to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and being a supporter of College Info Geek. Let's get back into it. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say for make it more fun is to try to learn a little bit of the language. You don't have to go as hard as like you are going because you're actively trying to learn. Oh, I like, I don't want to go to a country if I can't converse almost exclusively in that language while I'm mm -hmm. there. I didn't care about it that. Kind of like, it's a very important part of the experience for me. Mm -hmm. But like in Japan, for example, many things, like you can get by without knowing anything because many things are either written in English and Japanese or like if you go to a restaurant, almost all the menus have pictures of every single item. Oh, which is kind of interesting. That's cool. But Japanese people in general do not know how to speak English. They might know how to read a little bit of it because they kind of learn it in school, but they learn it in school the way we learn Spanish and French in school. Like not. Yeah, very half-heartedly, yeah. I would say. And with almost no emphasis on conversing in it. It's usually just learning vocab and how to write a little bit. So if you don't know anything, it could be kind of tough. Um, I spent some time just learning like how to read hiragana, which was useful for finding my way around. And then I learned just like a few random words, like, you know, where's the bathroom, things like that. Mm. How much is a night here? How much is this? How do you say things like that? That was pretty helpful. And uh, it, you know, it's fun. It's another like puzzling it out kind of thing. If you know nothing and you go to a country, then you're just like completely lost. But if you know a little bit, then I don't know. There's like little things you can latch onto and figure out. Yeah, I can't say it would be super fun. Like living in the moment's cool and all, but if I was just straight up lost with no recourse, I don't know that it would keep being fun. In yeah. Until you know, in retrospect, maybe I'll be like, "Whoa, remember that time I was lost and horrified?" But in the moment, it's going to be pretty, <laughs> yep, unpleasant if I literally can't tell where I'm going. Yeah. Anything you have to say about making it more fun? I mean, that's for for making it fun. My that's my biggest thing is just not planning at all. That's mm. so. Having more tips would be the opposite to me because it would involve True. planning parts of it. I just want to I want to live like I live there. Yeah, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. And I, I feel like a lot of the other stuff, like being more in the moment, comes sort of naturally. Like when I went to Seattle, it was you know a little chilly out and it was uh, kind of misting, raining mm -hmm. a little bit, but that didn't matter because we were on a trip. So then we just naturally walked forty or fifty minutes to go down to the Puget Sound to go to a bookstore oh, yeah. to do stuff. Like that stuff just comes naturally to me. Like I'm always willing to do a little extra effort mm -hmm. to make use of stuff whereas here i would procrastinate and just say no the weather's not good enough oh yeah wham 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 it's not perfect outside i do have one more little tip um and this uh, so this is quite specific to my experience in tokyo it may not be the best thing for every place but we rented bicycles one day in tokyo and uh that was amazing yeah yeah because when you're walking you, you just can't see as much because you're slower yeah. Um, if you're in a very highly developed city like Tokyo with a great public infrastructure, then there's the trains so you can get around, but you're still not seeing a whole lot. And then cars are very insular. So bikes, if you can get a bike, you just see a lot. That sounds like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess one thing I could, I could mention is um, to have fun, you don't actually need as much time as one might think. Mm -hmm. So like you're talking about you were in Japan for a few weeks. I was in Seattle for several days, but... 
really one day, one solid day somewhere is enough to make me feel refreshed and inspired and have fun. So like my recent time in Lincoln, I only really stayed one night and then immediately came back, but it's still memorable. The first time Ashley and I stayed at uh, an Airbnb in a different neighborhood in Denver. That was Denver. just in town, right? Yeah, in, in Denver. It was in town and everything wasn't that expensive. We just took a lift there, you know, mm-hmm. very low cost vacation. We stayed one night that very first time we did it, just one, but it is an incredibly memorable experience, and it felt like we were there for days because of how much stuff we did, especially because there was almost no travel time Yeah, taking away, away from the vacation. And then, so basically, close vacations are within your grasp. Short vacations, Ashley's flown out somewhere Friday, Friday after work. She'll come back either really early Monday morning or late on Sunday. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even need to take days off. So, yeah, true. Like a vacation to Japan may sound a little out of reach because it's expensive. You might want to be there for a while and a lot of stuff. But even just a different part of town or a town, the next town over, for just a day or two is that's enough for inspiration yeah. and present mindedness and feeling refreshed for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've often thought about like the fact that I live in Denver, but there's really only a few main thoroughfares that I ever go to. Yeah. Like I've got a few parks I go to. I've got the climbing gym. I have the stores I go to. And it's all kind of centralized in one quadrant of the city. Maybe occasionally I'll go down to the south part for the arcade down there. Maybe occasionally I'll go to Boulder. But you know where I hardly ever go? To the northwest side of the city where Book Bar is. Yeah. Almost never. And I love that neighborhood. You know? So when we're over there, it's just like, yeah, this is like a totally different place. Yeah, it city feels like almost. a different place entirely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even not in a big city, you know, in Iowa, Ames, West Des Moines, uh, downtown Des Moines, all mm-hmm. sorts of like Iowa City, tons of stuff within just like an hour's drive or a half hour's drive. They all felt significant. When you're walking around a place, a, a small portion of a city feels like a significant area to explore. Mm hmm. Or even, and you know something that's quite memorable to me, uh, camping. Oh, yeah. Like, just that really easy, laid-back camping trip we did back with Brandon in college. Like, that was in the middle of nowhere. It was. It felt like getting away from everything. Yeah, that that, that could be done, like, you know, almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. Not entirely anywhere because of property and whatnot. But yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's easy. That's accessible. within the grasp of, like, everyone, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yeah, so I mean, tra- I guess like travel could just be like any anything where you're kind of away from home for a day. You're getting away from your your daily routine. You're getting away from your your work and your your cooking and your cleaning and your yeah. that little quadrant of the city that you call home. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not it's not a huge. I need thousands of dollars and two weeks of vacation time saved up. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty unreasonable to imagine. Most people could just do out of nowhere but literally yeah, difficult i could just travel somewhere this weekend i could just go to boulder and mm-hmm. stay at some really cheap airbnb and bam vacation this weekend Is for very little cheap in boulder though i don't know <laughs> it, really cheap for boulder or i'll just sleep in someone's yard and i won't tell them i'm there actually what you should do someday i don't know if you've done this already um is go get it at airbnb just somewhere in the mountains because I remember when I went, oh, I, yeah, to, I wanted to do that for when a I while. went to Aspen for uh, the Tough Mudder, it's expensive to stay in Aspen because it's Aspen. That's where all the rich people go. But there are towns maybe like 30 minutes up the road where you could get a really cheap Airbnb and still be up in the mountains and be in your mountain biking or hiking or fishing or 
mountain lakes, all kinds of cool stuff. And pay like 60 bucks or something for a night. Yeah. So it might be worth doing. Yeah, sounds great. So let's talk about how to make it more affordable. I think this is like the, the biggest issue for most people. Uh, so for travel, the three biggest expenses are going to be getting to wherever you're going, especially if you're going somewhere far away, especially if you're going somewhere you got to fly, uh, your lodging, and then your food. Yeah. Everything else is kind of chump change. Yeah, and in your, your control. You know, if you're going to spend a billion dollars on like knickknacks and souvenirs, it's your fault. Yes. It's, it's not like budgeting could have saved you. That was just yeah. your call. Like you, you could go to Vegas and make your biggest expense just, I don't know, buying water balloons. But it's 100% your, your <laughs> That's, call. Yes, yeah, absolutely your call. But uh, you got to have somewhere to stay. You got to get there somehow and you got to eat. Um, fortunately, most of those things can be reduced in price quite a bit. So flights are the hardest one. Uh, the way we got to Japan the first time was quite fortunate because my friend Ryan had like a host father that he had stayed with in Japan during high school as part of a student exchange program. And his host dad worked for Delta. Mm. So everyone who works for an airline gets what are called buddy passes and buddy passes let you fly at cost essentially. Uh, and you know what, actually, now that I'm remembering this, I only got to use one of his buddy passes the second year we went the first year. I just had to find my own ticket cause he only had one for himself and Quentin. Um, so I was able to find a ticket for 900 bucks. So if you don't have a host father who lives or works at Delta or whatever, the best way to do it is just to create a price alert on like Skyscanner or kayak. I'm not sure if Google flights will let you do alerts, but Google flights is a good way to look for flights. And then uh, it will tell you like, all right, it's probably a good time to buy now. And if you can create a, pl- a price alert, maybe like three months ahead of time, then you can hopefully snag the best possible price. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll add now that I didn't know then is you got to make your price alert, but then you also have to check Southwest every once in a while. Oh, yeah, because that's not included. For whatever in reason, Southwest is never in any of the flight aggregators. Everyone else is. And um, and this is for Americans. I'm like, sure this is somewhat mysterious, <laughs> but the flight, like, like basically flight tickets, they just fluctuate in price from day to day for yep. reasons. I've I'm also sure gone, that are partially reasonable, but are also partially, I can't predict them. Some of them are not reasonable because I've looked at stuff a flight in an happens. incognito browser sometimes and it'll be different than <laughs> when I'm locked in. Yeah, so they'll, they'll just make up numbers and see which one you pay for. Yeah, so hunt around, see if you can find a better deal, put up those flight alerts, have them go to your email. The closer it gets, maybe switch it over to the daily, like daily frequency instead of weekly and hopefully you'll get something good or road trip. Yeah. Because that's what you've done. Yeah, and I, I loved my road trips. Mm-hmm. And um, I think both of those were the big road trips where I went up to the northwest and it was several days long. I rented a car to get there, and I didn't know this at the time. But apparently, with uh, so with my credit card, and I think with many, if not most, major credit cards, you've automatically got um, rental car insurance included, oh. like liability insurance. Really? Yeah, because huh. they'll try to sell you that when, when you're renting the car. Oh, okay. But like the extra liability insurance for their car can can uh, be covered by many credit cards, and with the fallback oh, okay. being your insurance. I think so. I, I think. guess the one thing I'll say here is, anybody who wants to use that should check their own. Always check. Yeah, anything financial we doesn't. say should be like quadruple checked. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible if you break a rental car. I'm just saying, like, because of that fact, last yeah. time when I rented a car, when we were in Seattle, we flew up there. I just wanted to go to Portland for a day 
and came back immediately. Mm. So I rented a car for like 25 bucks, just drove down to Portland and came That's back. That's awesome. Same day. It was just absurdly cheap. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm renting a car when we go to Iowa in like a few weeks. Yeah, it's nice to not put your own like miles on, on your car yeah. and then um, it's off, It's a new car generally, so it's pretty fancy. It was compared to my last one. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and I, I think this will also be a calculation that anybody with a full-time job needs to run, it can seem expensive to fly versus drive, but take going to Iowa, for example. That's a 12-hour drive each way. So I lose two full days just staring at the countryside of Nebraska and the road. Yeah. And like every time I look at the flights, I'm just like, oh, it's going to be, you know, $300 per person to get to Iowa, which we got lucky and looked at Southwest and it was much cheaper than that. But it's still always more expensive to fly. But like, what could I do with those two days? You know, because I work for myself, I could make two videos probably and I could make the money back easily. And even somebody who has a regular job, if you're taking extra days off to drive somewhere, like what kind of income are you losing? Yeah. Just to, to save a little bit of money on your flight. Well, and depending on how long you, you, um, you're driving, mm-hmm. both of my road trips to the Northwest involved us staying once or twice at other places on the that way. Mm-hmm. Like we split it up. And because of that, we explored a ton of things. I saw many different cities on the way there yeah. and back and it made it worth it. But that means that every day of driving was accompanied by a day of hotel cost. Yeah. So it adds up pretty quick. I could have easily flown and skipped mm-hmm. a but bunch I could of see, stuff. You know, one time driving from here to Seattle through the mountains, that's like an adventure. If you had to drive to Chicago, I think it would be a different Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Like, it wouldn't be an adventure. Super boring. You yeah. kind of already know everything along the way, and it just wastes all your time. So, like, it, it makes more sense to fly in that case. Yeah. There's no adventure to – like, I don't want to say that there's no adventure to be had because you can make adventures sitting in a cardboard box. not for me because I already know but yeah, not what's for you. there. You not know? for me. <laughs> and I got to say the scenery – I love the Midwest, but the scenery driving up through through Utah up through the to the northwest is very different. That scenery is Whereas gorgeous. Whereas I-80 in Nebraska, it's like they intentionally put it in the most boring parts because I know that there's going to be better nature somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's not where the interstate is. Well, yeah, not a direct route anyway. So that's how to save on transit. Um, and then for like inner in the city transit, you can look up like travelers programs. So for Japan, there's something called the JR Pass. And for a week, I think it's about $350. And that seems like a lot, but one Shinkansen trip, which is a bullet train from like Tokyo to Osaka or Tokyo to Kyoto, that could be 200 bucks. Really? Yeah. So if you are going to Japan and you really want to experience like a lot of the country, so you want to go all the way down to Hiroshima or something, which you should because Hiroshima is beautiful, it's absolutely worth it. Going from Tokyo down to Hiroshima and back would be probably $500 in Shinkansen. Now you could do the night bus and it's much cheaper, but then you're sleeping in like a horribly uncomfortable bus seat for 12 hours or some crazy thing like that. So look up those kind of things. Um, I think that European countries often have travelers discounts for trains. So depending on where you're going, you want to look at that. And I'll just say this now. I was going to mention this later, but there is a site called Wiki Travel, just like Wikipedia. And for basically any country, city, anywhere you want to go, there's like a whole wiki article that will have this kind of information. So again, I don't think you want to like dig too deep into these articles to plan out your entire itinerary, but it's good for knowing how to get deals, knowing where you might want to stay, things like that. 
a vague idea of how life will function so mm-hmm. that you're not lost and stuck. And there's also um, like stay safe information. Yeah. So like it'll say like, yep. for instance, if you're going to Jakarta, you know, it's like there's theft problems in these neighborhoods. Maybe, you know, keep your passport hidden or make sure you have your like wallet on a chain or something. I don't know. Um, speaking of Jakarta or any city around that area, another great way to save money is to go to a part of the world that isn't very expensive. So there's a good reason why Southeast Asia is super popular with young travelers. Um, South America also yeah, great all, option. all the nomads mm-hmm. are just because their dollars stretch very far. Yeah, you go down to Chile, you go to um, Thailand, you go to some place in Indonesia that's not Bali. You can live like a king or queen on very little money. You go to London or New York City, it's going to be a little harder. You can still make things cheap, and we'll talk about some of the things you can do. But you know, you go to a place where things are generally cheaper, then you can stretch your budget a lot further and still have a lot of adventure. So that's kind of how I was thinking about it, though I ended up going to one of the most expensive places anyway. Yeah. Because Japan's pretty expensive. But yeah. Um, When you're there, so whether it's an expensive place or a cheap place, uh, there are those other two factors. You have lodging and you have food. So with lodging, look for hostels. Uh, hostel, when I was traveling, it was Hostel World and Hostel Bookers. Both of these sites might still be available, but I know one has since purchased the other one. I can't remember which one did which, but I think they're both sites you can go to and you can look up hostels in basically any city. Like I said, hostel is basically just like a hotel with bare bones amenities. Sometimes you're sleeping in a big old bunk room with a bunch of people. Usually it's other travelers. I've never worried about safety with it. It's, I think it's fine personally. But if you are worried about safety, there's often private rooms that are still a lot cheaper. Hmm. Like the private rooms, the Tokyo hostels were, I think, 50 to 60 a night, like dollars. And then the bunk rooms were $25 a night. Oh, so that is cheap. Yeah, super cheap. And the hostels often have either kitchen facilities. So you could just go to a supermarket, buy groceries, make your own meals for super cheap. Or sometimes they even provide meals. Um, I went to San Diego once just by myself for like a little vacation and I found this backpackers hostel. It was 20 bucks a night in America, which was crazy to me. And they had meals. That is absurd. Yeah. The breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was really simple breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like breakfast might've been like a bowl of raisin bran, but it was food. It would keep you alive. Yeah, unless you're like there to explore bad. the food culture, I feel like food is an incredibly good place to save money. Yeah. So that works out fine. Or save all your money up for like one or two big splurges. Like in Japan, we saved our money for yakiniku, which is just like this delicious, super high quality meat that you grill yourself at the table. And it was amazing. And I think Quentin spent like $100 just by himself. <laughs> <laughs> on that one meal you save all your money for the fanciest restaurant you can find yeah maybe not the fanciest because you could it's gotta be the fanciest probably spend all of your money on one meal if you go to the fanciest that's fine if you go to like french laundry or something <laughs> but you know you could yeah splurge on one or two meals that you really want to experience and then for the rest of them just kind of like eat rice balls or something you know don't spend a whole lot of money or find a hostel that or a hostel that uh, covers your meals and then I will also mention Airbnbs because sometimes you can find very cheap Airbnbs. 
I think the little apartment Airbnb that Anna found for us was 60 bucks a night. And since the hostels charged per person, it was about the same. Because I think it was about 30 bucks a night in most places in, in Tokyo. That's pretty good. So not bad at all. Uh, yeah. And then just uh, good day planning can help for cutting down on travel costs. Like what's once you're within the area. You know, if you're like, I'm going to go to Mount Fuji in the morning and then I'm going to go to Tokyo Tower in the afternoon, that's kind of like a very long Shinkansen ride during the middle of the day. So if you plan to do, you know, all of your Akihabara stuff in one day, then you can just go there and only pay for the train once, that kind of thing. Yeah. Anything else that you've done for saving money while traveling? Honestly, I haven't traveled enough for me to try to save money very often. Okay. You know, it's been so infrequent that I was just like, I, I don't really care how much this road trip to the Northwest costs. I've never done it, so I'm just going to pay for whatever happens. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not like I'd spent an absurd amount of money, but I didn't think about budgeting yet. I will be thinking more about that now because I'd like to travel more frequently. Mm-hmm. But Ooh, uh, one thing that can be cool is like to use the Lime scooters or bikes or the birds or whatever. I love those everywhere. They're great. Not every city has them, but San Diego had them, and... It made getting around so much cheaper because we didn't have to rent a car. We didn't have to. Actually, you know, we did rent a car. We didn't have to use it at least. Um, we didn't have to take Ubers. We would just walk out the door, find a bird scooter, and spend like a dollar to get to the beach. Yeah. And it was fun. In fact, I think there was one point where Anna was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't really care what we do. I just want it to be slightly far away so we can keep riding <laughs> the bird scooters. <laughs> yeah. And she likes the bird scooter so much that I bought her one for her birthday. So now when we go around town, I just ride my boosted board sometimes and she rides the scooter with me. It's fun. Sometimes getting places can be fun, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about how to make it more efficient. I have some packing tips. Number one, and I think this is a useful thing to build ahead of time or maybe just build it and make sure you save it. Create a template of things you need to pack for trips. So I do this in Todoist. I just have like a whole template list of things to pack. That way I never forget, I don't know, socks or something or chargers for the devices I want to bring. And then I just duplicate all those items into a brand new list when I'm packing. Um, For space, you can actually travel to a different country with one backpack. The secret is these vacuum seal roll-up bags you can buy. You can get them for pretty cheap on Amazon They're literally just like these plastic bags. You put your clothes in them, you zip them up, and then they have like these one-way air vents at the bottom. So you roll the bag up and it just squeezes all the air out and it's like a vacuum seal bag, except for you roll it instead of having to... Are these different than like the packing cubes? Packing cubes just help you organize. Okay. So, and actually most, most like, I don't know, hardcore digital nomad travelers that I've followed in the past will recommend using both. So they'll do like the the roll-up vacuum bags to like basically compress their clothes down to a super small size. And Mm. then they use the packing cubes just to organize their luggage. Okay. I've never really used the packing cubes. I just use the bags. But uh, the first year I was able to do all of Japan on one backpack. Though I will say technically two backpacks because another tip is to have a day pack. Because it's not really that fun to lug your huge backpack around on like a day trip but you still might want to bring like your camera or your passport, things like that. So bring like a very tiny, small, thin backpack with you and just have it be empty when you're traveling on the plane. 
were you able to just store like a, an absurd amount of clothing or were you able to do laundry or you something laundry. while you were there? Yeah, you just do laundry. Uh, okay, I've not done laundry while traveling. So some hostels have their own laundry. That makes more sense. But it's for like, the most part. I don't know part, if I could fit two weeks worth of clothing in a, in a no, backpack. No, you can't. You just do laundry. Okay. You know, some hostels have laundry, but for the most part, we would just like find a laundromat. And in Tokyo, I mean, it's so dense in Tokyo and most Japanese cities that we were staying in, like the laundry facilities are just right down the road. So we would often just go throw our clothes in there, do a load, come back to the hostel, read a book or watch something, go throw them in the dryer. Okay. You know, just do it like a local would do it. Uh, it was the same in the Airbnb. There was no laundry facilities, so we just had to go down the road and use the laundromat. But that works. And, you know, a lot of travelers I know will bring, like, just two or three outfits. And that's it. Uh, and if you want to get really travel hacky about it, I know that some travel hacker friends of mine buy, like, it's like smart wool boxers and socks and things like that, or ex officio or something like that some kind of material that you could basically just shower in and it'll wash your boxers at the same time and then uh they dry really quickly i haven't done that but i've had friends who are just like yep i just do that and i don't have yeah to do i'm not gonna i'm often. not gonna do that <laughs> i can see you maybe not wanting to do that but you know it's a way to do things more efficiently um but yeah bring a day pack and I have a day pack that I got. I think I got it at REI that has like reinforced steel cabling through the straps and then the zippers can be locked. So if you're worried about oh, theft cool. or something, someone snatching your bag or opening it, you could do that and it makes it a little more secure. Yeah. And there's all, I think it's like also got like a wire mesh inside all the fabric so it couldn't be slashed open as easily. So depending on where you're going, maybe look at the wiki travel article and stay safe. And if theft is a problem where you're going, you know, theft is not a reason to avoid a country because usually countries that have problems with theft, it's people looking for people who look like obvious marks. So I don't know if you're like there with sunscreen on your nose and a Hawaiian shirt with like a floppy yeah, backpack. Yeah, you got like $200 got your, hanging out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, or you've got your gigantic Canon DSLR camera hanging off your neck. Like you obviously look like a pretty easy mark. If you just dress conservatively, you're not flashing all your stuff around, you're not carrying a huge backpack on you, then you don't look like an easy mark. Uh, you know, also stick to well-populated areas. Don't be walking through alleys at night, things like that. You know, maybe don't go to the sections of the city that are known for theft. Yeah, basically things I already do in my home area, Yeah, you know. Yeah, the funny thing about being an American is like often the city you live in is more dangerous or, you know, more prone to theft than where you're going. It's just that people tend to downplay the risks in their own cities and they tend to up play or play i play well, up it's, it's because why do we it's say like, downplay but then play up because english is dumb i don't know <laughs> uh, maybe this could be there's a p on each like, the p on the end and the p in the beginning up play sounds like you play and i don't want to talk about ubisoft things right now yeah so i get it i get the etymology that's it. it's related to ubisoft <laughs> it's exactly that's what it is they knew that that was coming so yeah, think about having a day pack. And then um, I think it's also very useful to buy a portable USB battery. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have very I have a few of those. Because sometimes you just I don't know, you need to call an Uber or you need to pull up Google Maps or I whatever. I don't want my phone to die when I'm in the middle of somewhere yes. I can't walk home well from. I definitely had my phone die a few times in the middle of Tokyo and had to just sort of figure out yeah, how those, to get back. Those batteries to the are great. Very worthwhile. <laughs> Uh, and I think the only other thing I was going to mention here is 
for planning again like don't try to plan too much but wicked travel is good and then when you're there talk to hostel employees talk to other travelers and ask them what they enjoy what they think is good to do because that's how you find out about really fun things that maybe not maybe a little bit off the beaten path yeah oh yeah um Speaking of that, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, there's a website, roadtrippers.com, mm-hmm. where if you're taking a road trip, so you can put in where you're at, your destination, and then you can sort of have it mark out where where's good food. Oh, yeah. Where are good um, sites to see? Where's some good nature? And you can you know put in a, a couple places you want to stop. It'll tell you the specific distance between all of them and help you set up stuff. Because of this, I learned about the Garden of 1,000 Buddhas uh, close to Missoula, Montana. Mm-hmm. And I got to see that because we specifically, for that reason, drove up a little bit farther north just so we could hit there and then go over to Seattle. Okay. Whereas That's I would cool. have missed that if I had just gotten in the car and put it in, yeah. give me instructions to get to Seattle. So yeah. it's uh, it, it was a cool way to find extra stuff to see because especially if you're going to take a long road trip, like, I mean, you need to make it worth it. You're using a lot of time. So... Yeah. Make it so that each day of driving has a fun goal in mind rather than just this day was a complete waste of my time. That's true. Though, driving from Denver to Iowa is always just a complete waste of time. That one is not, there's not as much in hey, the middle. Hey, you can go to the Runza in Kearney. I do not want to do that. Get the Runza. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm good. No, that one's less adventurous. <laughs> just a little, especially just because driving back to Iowa nothing. is me driving back to things I already know. That's very true. Yeah, yeah, it's driving not, back to it's your not an adventure comfort zone. Yeah. This is true. Oh, I forgot about one thing. I've never used this, but couch surfing. I don't know if it's datawarrior.com. We'll have it in the show notes. But couch surfing is like there's a whole network of people who just let people crash on their couch or let people stay with them for free and I haven't done it myself, but I've got friends who have gone and done it. And a lot of times the hosts are super nice and like go show you the town and all kinds of cool stuff. What do they get out of this? Companionship. Okay. Um, maybe they use the network too. Or so they, they also like, will often use maybe the Maybe they network. also try. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just like, what are they? They're going to steal my kidneys probably. There's a, there's a verification. I need one process, of those. Just like Airbnb. Oh, okay. It's kind of funny, right? Because like for some reason it seems like Airbnb seems a lot safer than couch surfing. But the only difference is that it's free because Couchsurfing also has the uh, verification. Hmm. It's kind of weird, but... Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. You can just go do that. There's another one that I haven't used. It's called Trusted Pet Sitters. And it's like uh, people who want to go travel but want to stay places for free. Like if they're verified on the platform, they will be pet sitters for people in the cities they're going to. And then like vice versa, if you're traveling and you need someone to... Pet, uh, pets it for you then it's like a trusted network of people who could just come stay at your place and watch your pet take care of it oh that's cool so there are ways to make the lodging aspect free they're just maybe not as flexible as places that cost money for obvious reasons yeah but yeah well i think that's a pretty pretty good info dump there so for all the cats out there listening to this podcast yeah you know hopefully your travel plans are shaping up there's lots of good tips here you got to be a good adventure cat. Exactly. Yeah, you got to be a good... Our cat's being a good adventure cat. She gets to go outside now. Just in the yard, though. All right. So, 
If you want the show notes for this episode, because this is one of those episodes where the show notes are very worth it, there are a lot of resources we mentioned, then cigpodcast.com slash 260, 260 is the URL you're going to want to go to to find all those links URLs. And you can also just go over to regular old cigpodcast.com to find out how to subscribe to this show. So if you're just watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it in the browser, you can go subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast addicts, I don't know, pocket casts, that's what I use. But I don't know. Those first three are probably the biggest ones to do. Spotify's pretty convenient. Yeah. Yeah. I got some music I on I don't there. know podcast apps very well. Check out my SoundCloud. That's it's not the same app. Check out my mixtape, man. That's different. I could have a mixtape on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, but it's not your SoundCloud. You send people to the wrong site. <laughs> sure. Check out my Spotify cloud. Um and if you want to help support this show. You can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps to bump us up the rankings. It's very helpful for us. It also gives us good feedback. So big ups to you if you do that. Uh, or another great way to support the show is to simply share it with a friend and maybe share your favorite episode with them so they can become a listener as well. But as always, uh, we just appreciate that you were hanging out with us and listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.